Well, to a large number of you here today, uh, Dr. John Barnett requires no introduction, and you are, we are welcome him, welcoming him back. For many of you, though, John is one of the pastors that used to be at Calvary, and we are so grateful that that's true. John came in uh, 2008 uh, to be our pastor with his wife, Bonnie, all the kids, and today back also with uh, Julia and Estelle, and Estelle and Julia are also both global partners, as are John and Bonnie. Uh, so John came in 2008, and with him came what we refer to as the trailer, which was uh, DT, uh, DTBM, uh, Discover the Book Ministries, and now Discover the Book Ministries International. And that ministry, God was blessing as well as the ministry here at Calvary. And when the opportunities became such, God led John and Bonnie uh, to pursue full-time ministry with DTBMI. Um, and John, you feel free to expand on this uh, as you preach, but one of the things that comes through constantly from their heart is their, their desire and the thrill they have in training the next generation of disciples and disciple makers uh, internationally around the globe. Mm. Uh, that does require a great deal of travel, uh, and that's you can be praying for them constantly as they are in the process of traveling uh, around the world. Now this evening, uh, Pastor John will be back again, and he and uh, Bonnie and Estelle and Julia will also be presenting um, uh, some reports in terms of the ministries that each are involved with. Uh, encourage you to come. We will not be live streaming that due to some of the information that will be shared. So invite you all to come back here tonight. And I think also I'd like to share, for those who may not know, that John has quite a presence on the Internet and on YouTube, and you can Google him and uh, be blessed by his teaching. So, but we're glad we have you in person uh, today, John. So welcome, brother. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. Well, Jeff is a blessing. He actually arrived, what, six months before I did? I, I don't remember. But it, when I came to Calvary, Jeff was here, and uh, he was my right hand and wonderful blessing to see Dan Johnson up here doing the announcements, see Justin. I won't even tell you stories about Justin. Uh, and, uh, but I don't want to uh, use up my time unnecessarily. Jeff, they actually counted your introduction as part of my sermon. I'm looking right here. See, they have this thing. They knew I needed it. That's how long I have to speak. And so I'm going to share with you the book of Revelation, Lesson 20, which I did not finish until bright and early this morning at 5 o'clock. Uh, it was such a joy. I was tasked a few months back uh, by one of the places where Bonnie and I teach, uh, both internationally as well as here in America. Uh, they said, we want you to redo your Revelation series because the new generation of young people, college-age kids, no longer come to classes just because they're there. They want to be told at the beginning of each class why they should even listen to you. I said, great. I mean, I feel like I'm back at the rescue mission in Lansing where I started, where you know they forced all the men going to the rescue mission to come and listen to me before they had dinner. And I said, I, I feel the same you know, urge to tell them why they should stay. 
But I've been working on that, and I got 19 of them done, and I was working on the last one, and I thought, you know what? What a thrill to end with this. Why is heaven vital? And why should we think about it all the time? That's really the most important way to introduce chapter 21 and 22. So what I'd like you to do is take your Bible, uh, go to Revelation 21 with me, please, and we're going to read... Well, actually, I'm going to read and you're going to listen the first eight verses and stand together with me for the reading of God's word. And I will pray at the end that the Lord will bless these 25 minutes and 46 seconds. And I can promise you I will only get one half of the way through because I teach 50 minutes everywhere I am in the world, 50 minutes. I mean, it's just Bonnie, when she records me, she says, honey, you stop right at 50 minutes. I said, I've been doing it for so long. And so I'm just going to stop right in the middle and finish in second service. Here we go. Chapter 21. (laughs) Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write. For these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Verse 8. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, that you have told us that heaven is central to everything. It's your throne. It's where you as Father sit and watch us. It's where we pray It's from whence comes our forgiveness. And it's the place that we today are citizens of heaven. And I pray that we would realize how vital it is to think about that truth every day, all day long, for all the time you give us to serve you here. And that's why we've gathered and that's what we ask for. And we pray that you, O Christ, would accomplish that in our lives For Jesus' sake, amen. You may be seated. As you're seated, I thought this was curious. Just uh, last week, I mean, uh, maybe 10, 8 days ago, I don't know. But the guy that that wrote that song, actually from my time period, you know, turn, 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 you know, a time for this, a time for that, David Crosby, he died. But the day before he died, look what he wrote. A day before his death. It was announced that Crosby posted a message about heaven. I was actually working on this message then. And this is his comment. I heard the place is overrated, cloudy. Huh. 
Do you know I'm bringing that up? Because that's how it is in a lot of people's minds, even among believers. Heaven seems to be something, you know, out there somewhere, but let's not get there too quick. I've got a lot of time left on earth. And it's almost like it's cloudy and we don't quite see it the way the way we're going to see it through the word. Well, this is basically what uh, I remind people of. Heaven is the culmination of this book. The church in Revelation is on earth in chapters 1, 2, and 3. Uh, but they go and we go to come before the judgment seat of Christ. And that's what we see in the, the beautiful chapter 4 and 5. During that time, the tribulation occurs. And then we see Jesus Christ coming in glory and power uh, in the next section of Revelation. He sets up his kingdom that he promised, reigns on earth for a thousand years. But even in a perfect earth with a nearly perfect environment, I mean, there will be no pollution, there'll be no poisonous animals, there'll be no uh, horrible warfare. Uh, In fact, there won't be sickness In fact, everyone will live to be a thousand years old as long as they don't get in trouble and rebel at all. God lets them live. So in an almost perfect environment, the vast majority of the earth rebels. You know, that's why, uh, and and I'll only comment on it once, but that's why politics is so temporal. And yet so many Christians spend so much of their time trying to politically change and, and make the world, you know, kind of biblicize the world instead of evangelizing individuals. That's the only thing that lasts because even when Christ is the ruling party on earth and everyone has to come see him once a year or they don't get any rain on their field, they still all rebel. Why? Because people need an internal transformation. They need a new heart and a new spirit. Well, after that rebellion, then we have the beginning of the dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. So basically, the book of Revelation is Jesus illustrating all of his promises. Uh, Number one, in Revelation 1, the whole chapter is about the great commission that Jesus said lo I'm with you always and John had been his servant and John was the last living apostle and John was in exile you all know this and Jesus shows up and I thought about this someday you and I will wake up feeling lonely endangered abandoned left out forgotten and that's why God sent Revelation 1 to John to remind us that he will never leave us he will never forsake us he is with us always no matter where we are No matter what we go through, Jesus promised he would be with us. Well, Revelation 2 to 5, Jesus said, I will build my church, and boy, he shows us that he does. And Revelation 2 and 3 shows he's actively involved in that building process, that he is the coach. He is the one who's coming to every service. In fact, he's here right now. You are only examining how I'm doing, whether I'm staying on my timer and keeping with the script of the scriptures. Jesus is actually looking at you right now he visits his churches and he's looking at whether or not you are merely a hearer of his word or a doer and whether or not all of us are doing what he left us here to do see he's still building his church and that's something we need to think about because someday we'll wake up wondering if it's really worth it all the sacrifice of our time and of our treasures and of of our careers even for heaven and Jesus said yeah That's why he sent Revelation 2 and 3 and lets us see ourselves in 4 and 5. 
in heaven. Well, the third promise Jesus fulfills, and, and I'll read it to you, it's in Matthew 24, 30, and that's really Jesus introduced the whole book of Revelation to us in Matthew 24 and 25. But he says this in Matthew 24, 30, sorry, uh, 30, 30, 30, here it is. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven and the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Keep going to chapter 25 and look at verse 31. And when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all his holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. And down in verse 46, and these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And then chapter 26 he keeps going. Verse 64. And this is at the trial. Jesus said to him, It is as you said. Nevertheless, I say to you, hereafter, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power. How do you like that name of God, the Father? The power. <laughs> You'll see him sitting, or, or sitting at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Well, Revelation 6 to 20 is the fulfillment of that promise that the Son of Man is coming. He is at the right hand of power. He's coming on the clouds of heaven. He's going to separate the sheep from the goats. And then finally, what we're on this morning, the last promise of Jesus is illustrated in Revelation 21 and 22. He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, you can be also. And that's what he illustrates to us in Revelation 21 and 22. Well, God gave us many previews of heaven before Revelation. Adam and Eve in the garden. Do you remember how after the fall, it says in, right there in chapter 3, verse 8 of Genesis, that God was walking in the cool of the day, and Adam and Eve heard him walking. I don't know, was he humming, uh, or did he walk loudly? I don't know. I mean, because God doesn't have feet, but you know what I mean. He's a spirit, so it was obviously the Lord Jesus Christ, the creator, walking through heaven. But whatever it was, we're not supposed to worry about the white spaces. It's the print that we, that we study, not the speculation of what's not there, but they knew that God came every day at the same time to walk with them. Wow. So heaven is God himself meeting with us. Uh, we were sitting at uh, Panera yesterday. Jeff, my friend, organized you know, this gaggle of men. It was almost like one of my old Bible studies I used to talk about all the time. We were at Panera. I almost felt like we were doing 52 chapters and I was going to pull out my notebook. And as we were sitting there, we were talking about tonight, you know, what I'm going to talk about, you know, chat, GPT, and AI, artificial intelligence, and machine learning, and the implications, especially from Revelation 13. And I said, yeah, it's kind of like the Terminator. And then I thought, I remember sitting, Bonnie and I had, had breakfast with the Terminator himself, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and, and we sat there, and, and I was just, I mean, as far as I know, he's not a Christian, uh, never claimed to be, I don't think, and, but he was very famous. I mean, and we sat there, and, and, and I, he was talking to everybody. I wasn't the only one. There were other people at the table. We were eating and talking, and, and I just said, honey, do you, do you realize who that is? And she said, I, yeah, yeah, never seen any of his movies, probably don't want to, but you know, yeah, I know who it is. 
And we kind of get awestruck around famous people. God wants to come and meet with us. That's, that's what heaven's about. And look, Enoch walking with God. Heaven is getting time all to ourselves with God, and that's a preview. How about David's Psalms? I mean, look at, at Psalm 73. Psalm 73, and this, this is what David said. Well, I'll start in 23. Nevertheless, I'm continually with you. You hold me by the right hand. You will guide me with your counsel. Afterward, you'll receive me to glory. Do you see heaven? You receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none on earth I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Have you ever thought about the fact that the reason we're going to see when probably be in second service when we finally get to chapter 21 and 22 why are there trees in heaven why are they bearing fruit why are the people eating it i mean i thought we were going to dispense with all this stuff it's because only god is self-sufficient we aren't once we get to heaven we're going to still need from god to maintain everlasting life because we're not self-sufficient. He doesn't just make us all gods. We're sons of God and dependent on him forever. And David had it. He said it. He said, you're my portion. You're, You're what keeps me alive eternally forever. So David, having God as my portion forever. Here's another preview of heaven. Jesus. I mean, we just went through the Christmas season What's one of his names? Thou shalt call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted as what? God with us. And so Jesus is God with us, and Jesus made it possible for us to be with God. See, that's the whole picture of heaven. So basically, we could summarize what we're going to see in Revelation is Jesus says heaven is, number one, our room at our Father's house. Now, it's very interesting, you know, the... The Hebrew Old Testament was translated into Greek, and that's called the Septuagint. And so if you look at how those ancient scholars took Hebrew words and matched them up with Greek words, then all of a sudden we can use that in the New Testament to see what other Old Testament concepts parallel with the New Testament Greek concepts. And here's one of them. That word, I go and prepare a place for you. That's the same word that's used in Genesis when Noah is instructed how to build the ark that he made a little spot for each animal on the ark. So it was one big ark and it had three decks and it had little spots, you know, big ones for the elephants and little ones for, you know, the doves that Noah uses to check on how the trees are doing at the end of the flood. Do you understand that that's what heaven's like? It's like our big boat and we all have our little spot there. And it's not like, you know, having a mansion. I've got a mansion way over the hillside, kind of remote. We are living in the same house with God. And Jesus said, it's in his father's house. And you think of all that means. If you had a nice upbringing or if you're in a good family now or, or if you're starting a wonderful family, when you think of family and love and anticipated special reunions, If you have a positive view of that, that's what heaven is. It's our room in our Father's house. It's also our seat at God's banquet. I mean, I love how Jesus shared the gospel in Matthew uh, chapter 8 and verse 11. 
Uh, starts in 10, and Jesus, uh, when he heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, I haven't heard, or I haven't found such faith, not even in Israel. Verse 11, this is when uh, 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 there is this reception of the gospel by the, the centurion. Uh, and he said, and I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. What is he talking about? He's talking about a banquet. Sitting down at a table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is saying that there are going to be many from the east and the west and north and south. That's us. We're not Jewish. We're part of the all nations that come to Christ. And we're going to come and get to sit at the table, by the way, where Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are already seated. It's amazing to think about. Jesus called heaven a banquet, feast, that every one of us have a place at the table. You know, people say when they're negotiating, I want a place at the table. And I think about, yeah, you spend your life trying to get a place at the table to negotiate the best deals, but really what you should be thinking about when you say that is you already have a place at the ultimate table with the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, another thing, it's our long-for paradise. Do you remember Paul called heaven paradise in 2 Corinthians 12? Remember when he was stoned uh, on his little jaunt through Iconium, Lystra, and Derby, and they dragged him out after they thought he was a god, and they stoned him, most likely to death, and the Lord raised him up, and in that period of time, he briefly got to experience what all of us are gonna experience at the instant we're absent from our body, we're present with the Lord, and he said, heaven I was caught up into paradise. And he said, it's so wonderful. Look at Philippians 1.23. He said, it made him long for heaven. He says, I have a desire to depart and to be with Christ, but it's more important for me to stay until I finish my course here. He added that when we're absent from here, we're present there in 2 Corinthians 5. Another little preview of heaven. Jesus said, it's our reserved place through Peter. Remember how Peter said, that we have an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that it fades not away, reserved in heaven. Wow. We have reservations at the most exclusive resort in the universe. They're getting more exclusive on earth. I mean, um, that hotel chain, I forget which one, just launched the largest yacht so that normal people, if they just pay 10000 each, can go like, you know, Bezos or whoever, you know, has a big yacht, you can be like Abrahamovich or one of the Russian oligarchs. You can ride on a yacht too. And I thought, they have a waiting list now. Everybody wants to go on a seven, 800 foot long yacht and be, you know, spoiled. And God says, hmm, you have reservations at the most exclusive resort in the universe? and you spend your days longing to have something lesser instead of giving your life as an offering for me. Our secure location, oh, I've got to read this one, Hebrews chapter 11. Look, look at the friend of God. Remember, that's what Abraham is called, the friend of God. And in chapter 11 and verse 10, sorry, it's going to take me a minute to get there because I have my card from Bonnie still stuck in my... Bible, honey. Uh, chapter 11, she always tells me she's praying for me. See, she wrote me a card and I stuck it in my Bible. Uh, but chapter 11, verse 10. Uh, I'll start in 8. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to a place he had after receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Verse 9 of chapter 11 of Hebrews. He dwelt in the land of promises in a foreign country, dwelling in tents 
with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Now look at verse 10. For he waited for the, the city. The city. You know, Bonnie and I were teaching um, September, I think, in England. And so, of course, I went to the British Museum on all my free days. And I went to the Ur exhibit, Ur of the Chaldees. They have a whole wing of it at the British Museum. And I looked at jewelry that Sarah probably wore, and I look at clothes that probably Abraham wore, and I looked at the inside of houses and their musical instruments. They even have their games that they played. I mean, they found all this. Sir Leonard Woolley found all this stuff. And I thought, Abraham lived like that with indoor plumbing 3,500 years ago, multi-story buildings. But once he met Christ, who he looked for by faith, look what it says. He waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Abraham waited for the secure home God built for him in heaven. You know what? It changed his life. Abraham never built another thing the rest of his life. He didn't build any houses. He just built altars. And he never bought anything but a parcel for a grave. He became the quintessential pilgrim and stranger on earth. Now, it's okay to buy stuff. It's okay to build stuff if you're looking for the city. You know, most Christians are pounding their stakes too deep. That's why heaven, they back toward it because everything important is here rather than joyfully running toward it because everything important they've sent ahead and they're awaiting that city, that secure location. Well, finally, in the 23rd Psalm, all of you know that, it's something we memorize. Do you remember how it ends? Uh, you know, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, so there's death. Uh, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table for me in the presence of my enemy. Here we go, verse six. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. What? And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In Revelation, John sees what David talked about. Heaven is going home to stay with God at his place as described in Psalm 23. So heaven is our room in our Father's house, our seat at God's banquet, our longed-for paradise, our reserved place that Peter talked about, our secure location that Abraham waited for, and our home forever. Now, so that's halfway. We'll get to chapter 21 later. You can watch it tonight, you know, sitting in your easy chair. Uh, oh, yeah, because it'll be wherever they stream stuff from. But looking at this reminds me of the last Christmas concert that I was at here at Calvary in 2016. It was called Season of Hope. And I remember Mark told me, he says, you're in the schedule, but you're not at the end. You're somewhere in the middle. And he gave me this, and he said, you have only exactly three minutes. He said, and he told me that like in September, and he told me that in October, and then he told me that in November, and then he told me that every time I saw him in December. He said, you, you only have three minutes. So I really were. I wrote every word I was going to say down on a piece of paper. It was season of hope, and I was supposed to condense the gospel down to this inside of walking out and finishing in three minutes for the flow of the thing. So I really worked on it. I don't think I ever worked on a sermon longer than the season of hope sermon to reduce down the gospel and everything in three minutes. And I didn't think anything of it. it was, I mean, I, I obeyed. And I came out and poof, talked and boom, 
left and and I didn't even know what they did with it and one of our faithful servants uh, clipped that out of the concert posted it on YouTube and about a year later yeah we were already on the mission field I get this note and a lady said hi you don't know me but I was sitting on the London tube that's the subway and she said I typed into Google hope or season of hope or I want hope or something and she said you came up and she said in three minutes she said you looked me right in the eye and you told me that if I wanted to meet Jesus Christ he's just close enough I can reach out to him he's only an arm's length away from everybody and and she said and you told me to bow my head so she said I had my iPhone on my lap and so I bowed my head and she said you told me if you wanted to reach out for Jesus raise your hand so she said I raised my hand on the subway and she said that I told her if I was really serious, just reach out to Jesus. So she said I was going like this. <laughs> you know, people are crazy on subways. Bonnie and I, I mean, we were just on the subway in, in Beijing, and I mean, everyone was on their phone. Everyone, I mean, it was just like that. They were all looking down at their phone, except for one person didn't have a cell phone. She was 98 years old. Everyone else was on it. So I could just see this lady going like that. And she said that was six months ago. She said, my life has absolutely changed. She said, I reached out to Jesus Christ. She said, I was a drug addict. She said, I was an alcoholic. She said, I lived for the concerts every weekend. She said, I got laid. That's her term. I got laid every weekend. Doesn't sound very positive to me. And she said, I'm writing to you because I realized, she said, it was sitting on that subway that I reached out and Jesus Christ grabbed me. And she said, thank you for making it so clear in three minutes. And I thought, it was right here. And I, every time I come here, I think about if you all didn't support this place and this staff and all this stuff, and if Dan Johnson hadn't tunneled underneath Drake Road to get the fiber optic cable, it would have never been possible to broadcast all this stuff. And God is using Calvary Bible. Did you know the primary thing we hear from is people watching Calvary services? Clips of them? What are we trying to do? You and us. We're trying to tell people, God offers you a room at your father's house. You've got to reach out to him. God offers you a seat at his banquet. God offers you paradise. He's reserved a place. It's the only secure place. And he actually wants to walk you home. Do you think heaven is vital? Do you think about it all the time? It's very important to God. And it's central to how we can live for him in a way that matters forever. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, I thank you for letting us gather on the first day of the week. Thank you for letting us give the best part of this week to start it with you. We love you. We pray that as we prayed before the service with the elders that every part of Calvary's services will lift up Jesus Christ because when he is lifted up he will always draw people to himself. And I pray for someone like that lady in London that might be here today and they haven't thought about heaven since they don't know when but you're reaching out to them. You're an arm's length away. 
And I pray that they would, by faith, say, I need that forgiveness that comes from heaven. I need that reservation. I need for you to give me a new heart and a new spirit. And we pray that you would do the miracle of regeneration. Even today, someone who's under the hearing of your word will reach out to you, O Christ, today. And for us, I pray that heaven would be more and more vital to us making it through every day of our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray, and all God's people said, Amen.